This is VOCM News Talk. Call 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of this station. Here's VOCM News Talk host Linda Swain. Well, good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. I say afternoon, but just like that, it's dark out at 4.05.06 in the afternoon. Brian Callahan with you on News Talk today and for Linda Swain who did uh, some heavy duty lifting this morning on Open Line and so she gets that break in the afternoon, God knows. Uh, Well deserved. But on the bright side, if you can call it that, I'm told that in 39 days, sunset will be at uh, 6pm. So uh, if you're looking for some positivity today, something (laughs) positive about Claudette, there you go. 39 days and we'll have a Sunset at 6 p.m. <laughs> it's really Are you excited. <laughs> you know, it's just when it's so cold out and dark and dreary, it's really hard to be excited about. Well, at anything. least we can, I mean, hey, it's not cold out now. At least it's, uh, we had the little warm up of four or five, six degrees this afternoon. Mm-hmm. That was pleasant briefly, but boys, oh boys, if it goes, it's going to go down tonight. And uh, the snow squalls that are in effect for tomorrow. Yep, and slippery underfoot there, but for the grace of God, how many people do we know? I don't, you and me, mute between us, a few people have had some bad slip and falls this week it's so easy to happen if you're just not paying attention at that moment you know and even if you are paying attention sometimes you just put your foot out of the car and it the pavement just seems to come up and get it (laughs) yeah i can't imagine uh it just sets you right back if you're um if you have that all of a sudden and wonky ankle or bad knee or something it's just going to set me back so i'm trying to i tiptoe everywhere yeah, or way. walk like a penguin, I yep. think, is what is recommended. I know, it looks silly enough, but... <laughs> I've done like that a many a time this winter. <laughs> or an Egyptian, you know. <laughs> penguin, Egyptian, you choose. Uh, so anyway, on to, <laughs> to what this show is about. News headlines of the day. This program being news talk, of course. And um, certainly Memorial University has today confirmed that the cybersecurity breach at Munn's Grenfell Campus was indeed... A ransomware attack. I spoke with Mun President and Vice Chancellor Neil Bose um, about this just before the show, and I'll have that interview after the 4:30 news. Actually, um, Health Minister Tom Osborne provided an update today and new information on the government's efforts to improve healthcare delivery. So they kind of did an overview of every little brief overview on everything they've done in uh, the past short while, and then some new information today. I'll have some tape and information on that. It's in the news, of course. But first today, you know, I got a call yesterday uh, afternoon. I was up to my neck, and I got a call, and in the newsroom, you never know what who can be on the other end of the line, uh, what people are calling in. And sometimes it's na- nothing, and sometimes it's something. And this was uh, information that he was passed. I'll just say it's a gentleman from CBN, Conception Bay North area, who was passing on the sad and tragic information about a young child who a, a child who had passed of um, strep throat and uh, you know a ser- obviously a bad bout of it a serious bout of it and when we think of strep throat you know um, there are various types and strains and and categories of it it's not just uh, simple there's an invasive type of course which can be the fatal. But there are cases now showing up across the country, um, and even in this province, uh, we're told, you know, the numbers are a little bit higher than usual. No real rationale for that, and it's different for different types. So there's strep throat, but then there are different types, and rather than have me try to explain it all, uh, I got a hold this afternoon, Dr. Natalie Bridger, of course, who is a pediatric infectious disease specialist with NL Health Services, of course. She was kind enough to give me some time today and take me through, well, what I'll call strep throat 101. So strep 
throat is a type of sore throat um, that usually occurs in children um, between the ages of 5 and 15 years old, um, and it's caused by streptococcus bacteria. So, and an, another word, another way to say it is Group A streptococcus bacteria. Um, so. So it's a bacteria and not a virus. That's an important distinction, right? Exactly. That, yeah. So, so one of the important things I wanted to get through is, is that most children with sore throats have viral infections. Um, but out of every 10 children with sore throats, three of them will have strep throat. I would say that's the, the, the basic uh, rule of thumb is that three out of 10 kids with sore throat will have yeah. group A strep as the cause of it. But the, like the, the flip side is that seven out of 10 will have something else like a virus. So most of the time when, when kids have sore throats, it's not um, caused by group A strep. Right. But there are certain things that there are certain clinical things that can kind of point you in the direction of, of group A strep over viruses. You know, if if I suspect it, um, you know, uh, whatever it could be, flu or, you know, something's wrong, uh, is the temperature, you know, is the thermometer not your first best go-to? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly your first best go-to is uh, the, the thermometer is crucial um, because kids who have true strep throat are much more likely to have a fever over 30, 38 degrees Celsius. So um, absolutely, fever is, is, is one of the things that points you in the direction of this being um, of group A strep and, and, and not something else. Um, the other things to consider would be if the if the symptoms came on very suddenly, um, if the pain in the throat is quite severe, mm. um, and if um, the lymph nodes or the or the glands between the between the chin and the neck are a little right. bit swollen, um, those could be signs that this is uh, strep and not a, a simple viral infection. Yeah, and I guess that's the problem. I mean, the first 24 hours or the first hours are, are crucial. You hope that parental and you know, motherly, fatherly instincts will kick in. What do I do? Do I go to a hospital or not? I, I would say a, a fever. if you've got a child who's got a really, really sore throat all of a sudden with tender um, lymph nodes, uh, a fever over 38, um, and the, the other thing is that they don't have a cough or a runny nose and the, the other things that go along with more viral types of infections, um, that would be a reason to, to get the child seen and get tested um, to see if there's strep there because if if the child does have strep throat, then, then they would get a course of antibiotics. And so, and the other thing about this is, I mean, it is, uh, it strikes me like three out of 10, we talk about that, but I mean, it, it is contagious, very contagious. Is it not with uh, droplets and that sort of thing? Yeah. So, so um, group A strep has been known to cause outbreaks in people in close quarters before. So, um, so things like um, military barracks in the old days had lots of strep outbreaks. More recently, um, you see little outbreaks happening in people's households or schools or um, or daycare centers. Um, but you do need to have pretty pretty close contact uh, to um, to get into the situation with these outbreaks. So, um, it's it it. it can can spread through classrooms and, and that sort of thing, but um, the key thing there is to 
try and try try our best to teach our kids how to wash our, wash their hands properly. I'm I'm laughing because my son is five, and I would say his hand washing capability is <laughs> mediocre at best. Right up there with. <laughs> so, uh, your your daughter is probably your your daughter is probably a lot better at washing her hands than than uh, than a five year old. I, I would hope by now. She really learns from uh, not mistake so much mistake. I won't call it a mistake, but she learns from experience, and um, she gets a cavity, and that's it. She's on a brushing teeth um, extravaganza. But I just wanted to touch yeah. basically on <clears throat> one of the reasons we're, we're talking today is because I've gotten a couple of calls in recent uh, days in the past week. You know, these are uh, personal and tragic locally um, in the CBN area. There was a child who passed. Uh, they were told it was uh, uh, due to this. And we're seeing in Ontario there are several cases of kids. Um, you know, what, what are the numbers like, you know, officially in this province? Do you have any kind of data that shows whether or not the cases are up or down? So I don't have exact numbers in our province, but I can tell you that um, about a week ago, uh, Public Health and Dr. Fitzgerald sent out a memo to all uh, healthcare providers indicating that um, we have been seeing a, an, a higher incidence of invasive group A strep infections. And so um, I need to um, get into that a little bit because Invasive group A strep infections are not the exact same things as strep throat. So it's caused by the same bacteria, but strep throat typically is a pretty minor illness that it would even get better on its own without antibiotics, to be honest with you. Um, when the strep bacteria gets into places where it's not supposed to go, like into the bloodstream, the lungs, the skin soft tissue, um, you can get into problems with invasive group A strep infections. And those are the infections that uh, make kids and adults extremely ill. And unfortunately, um, we, we do tend to see some mortality with, with the invasive group A strep infections. So um, I guess my, my main point is that lots of kids get strep throat. It's very rare for the kids with strep throat to get to the point of having an invasive group A strep infection, but we know that there are lots of invasive group A strep infections uh, or, or more than usual invasive group A strep infections going on in Canada at the moment. Is there any rationale for that? Uh, everyone is still looking into why it's happening. One likely theory is that um, we're seeing a lot more influenza infections and in, invasive group A strep infections have notoriously followed severe viral infections like influenza mm, okay. and in the past chickenpox. So it's, yeah. it probably has something to do with more people having influenza um, this season than in the previous seasons and the strep infection being a bit of a it, it it's a bit of a chaser to the uh, to the viral infection if you will yeah and it's so hard you know because we're talking kids and young kids and you really have to kind of you know be very you know predicting and and know exactly what's going on or act real quiet fast hey in situations like this so i guess that's the message is mm -hmm. it uh, you know if it seems out of the ordinary it probably is yeah, definitely. If it seems out of the ordinary, it probably is. Um, I think that the, the the big things, the big warning signs would be if a child is having difficulty swallowing or breathing, or if a child is drooling a lot and is not able to control how much they're drooling. Um, very high temperature, neck swelling, stiff neck, difficulty opening the mouth. But I think most parents would would pick up on these 
on these cues and, and will get their child seen quickly. And I need to really emphasize that what we're talking about right now is invasive group A strep infection, not your standard run-of-the-mill strep throat, which is what we started talking about at the beginning of our conversation. Sure. Okay, so strep throat is different than invasive, but strep throat obviously can progress to become invasive. So strep throat can have complications, and that's why that's why we like to treat it with antibiotics. But surprisingly, the people with invasive group A strep, um, a lot of the time you don't you don't even know where the strep came from to begin with, um, but a lot of the time it comes from a minor break in the skin, so like a minor trauma or a burn, or back in the past when we had tons of chicken pox, it was uh, oh, the, chicken pox all the time. Yeah. So, so the invasive infections are more likely to be associated with skin, minor breaks in the skin, than with having strep throat, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense, and it's great information to know that because, you know, I think most people are picturing that it comes in through a nasal passage or through your mouth, uh, you know, droplets yeah. and that sort yeah. of thing. But we're talking yeah. open cuts or wounds or lesions. Yes, exactly. That, that's that's the the most common source for the for the bug to get into the to the bloodstream or to other places in the body where it's not supposed to go. Dr. Bridger, I appreciate uh, the information and the heads up, and uh, hopefully, you know, um, parents will take heed and uh, just keep a close eye. I guess. Yeah, if I could make one one quick plug, and if you don't mind, um, I think that. It, it is important to consider getting your child vaccinated against influenza um, in, in hopes to reduce this invasive group A strep problem that we're seeing. And that, again, is uh, Dr. Natalie Bridger, uh, the, um, a pediatric infectious disease specialist, of course, with NL Health Services. And uh, lots of information there, of course. Uh, you know, um, you just never know. And uh, so uh, what is it? Uh, knowledge is power. So... Heed anything that you were able to take away from that for your own kids, you know, we know our kids. uh, So, you know, generally you have that instinct when something's not right. And uh, again, with the uh, acknowledged um, somewhat spike in cases of invasive strep throat, especially uh, at this season, uh, heed the advice there to at least get get the shot, get your vaccination for uh, influenza, which can at least reduce the risk. Um, we're going to, uh, well, I'm late for a break, so I've been a bad boy. We're going to go to break here on News Talk and uh, come right back, um, speak to Gander Mayor Percy Farewell, who uh, complete uh, 180 here, going to switch gears completely and uh, talk to uh, Mayor Farewell about Gander hosting the Newfoundland Labrador Winter Games coming up next month. We'll be right back. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back to the program. As mentioned just before the break there, uh, Gander is playing host to the Newfoundland Labrador Winter Games uh, next month, February 24th to March the 2nd. Of course, they'll be in uh, Bay Roberts in the summer uh, hosting the summer games. But uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Earlier, uh, Linda Swain, uh, who um, did open line but was gracious enough to have a chat with Mayor Percy Farewell as well uh, from Gander to uh, tee up the games and tell us what's in store. Preparations are going uh, feverishly, I would suggest, and and you know uh, the I guess our our key point of contact uh, on the whole organization of the games is is the uh, co-chair uh, Tara Pollitt, our counselor Tara Pollitt, who co-chairs it with uh, 
with uh, a, a gentleman from the community, Jeff Colesworthy, and, and they would be better equipped to tell you the nitty-gritty details of the of the um, preparation. But it's uh, you know as as these things are, the closer you get to the date, uh, the more uh, concentrated the effort and the uh, activity becomes. And uh, and there's been a lot of work taking place over the past you know year and a half or so, and uh, or even longer really. And uh, we're really, but it's you know everybody's in for the uh, you know for for the right reasons. We're, we want to do the best thing, best we can do for the youth of the province in these games. We want that to be something that they'll they'll always remember. For many of them, it'll be the highlight of their athletic uh, careers or pursuits, and uh, and we're really excited about that. And we want to do the best thing, best we can for them. And that requires a lot of work, uh, certainly in the planning stages, which is you know is ongoing. It also requires a, a, a lot of volunteers, and, I, and we're talking hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that we are continuing to recruit because many of these are required during the time frame of the games, not so much in the planning as, as in the actual execution of them. So we encourage, as a community, we're excited about it, and we hope that excitement translates into uh, lots of people stepping forward to uh, offer a helping hand when it comes time to actually uh, deal with the, I think, as many, you know, in excess of 1,200 athletes that will be coming here for, you know, split into uh, two sections. But over the span of a week, that we have about 1,200 athletes and coaches and officials and parents and guardians and, you know, on top of that, right? So it's really exciting. It's a big piece of work. Uh, it's a it's a labor of love, really, because I mean, it, you know, it's not certainly not an economic generator in the sense that uh, it's an economic boon for the community to host them. There's a lot of resources goes into uh, that the community has to put into uh, the organization of these sorts of things, and certain, we're certainly not we don't certainly don't take it on. Well, there is economic activity generated, obviously, by the presence of all these people in the community for a week or so, but uh, we go through a lot of work to uh, generate that activity and a lot of expense to generate that activity. So so it's not it's not about that it's not a economic development project certainly it's a it's a uh, you know a youth uh, youth related project that is in support of our province's young young athletes and we want to give them the best time they can have now, Gander is known for people stepping up and uh, playing uh, important roles when it comes to volunteering. But is it? Uh, we know what the atmosphere is like in recent years. It's been tougher and tougher to get volunteers. Is that the the case here? It. it I mean, I, I don't know that. Uh, yeah. Well, yes. I, I think. I think that's a fair statement. I mean, we've seen it in in almost everything you do. You know, it's getting tougher and tougher to get volunteers because number one, there uh, seems to be more and more reliance on volunteers for things and and. Um, and it can become challenging, and you know, people only have so many hours in their lives and in their days, and only so many of those are they able to uh, uh, to volunteer. And if you're a, so, there's there strength in numbers, obviously. So the more people that step forward in these sorts of things, uh, you know, the less uh, the less they'll be needed <laughs> in that uh, context. You know, if we have there, there is strength in numbers. So yeah, it, it is challenging. I mean, we know we're going to do it. We know the, the community ste- the community is stepping forward. Forward. I'm not suggesting that we don't have any volunteers or anything, but but you know we want to emphasize that uh, there's lots of room for many more, and it can be a really rewarding and fulfilling experience for anybody that chooses to do so because you you know there is a there is a, a great satisfaction I think in being part of a pretty large event in the, certainly in the Newfoundland Labrador context uh, a pretty large event that really you know brings joy and satisfaction to, you know, 
hundreds and hundreds, in fact, well in excess of a thousand uh, youth from across the province. So, you know, I think I think it's a worthwhile endeavor to give up some of your time, and uh, and you'll you'll certainly, uh, you know, realize the satisfaction from that. I can I can guarantee that from having having co-chaired a previous Newfoundland Labrador Winter Games many years ago, and and from other volunteer pursuits that uh, there there's certainly it's certainly a rewarding experience. It's it's not a one-way donation of time. It's it's a rewarding experience for sure. That is P- Percy Farewell, Gander Mayor. Um, of course, putting out the plea, as they always do, as every community always needs, volunteers to help with the running of the Winter Games that are coming up in February, February 24th to March the 2nd in Gander. And, of course, the Summer Games are set for Bay Roberts uh, this summer. Um, almost up to news time. Uh, after the break, we're going to... Um, uh, check in with on the health front, uh, the Honorable Tom Osborne, our health minister, as well as other officials today. Um, introducing, I guess, the new online service. We've heard that this was coming, but it'll improve how uh, all Newfoundland Labradorians, at least most who can access it online, um, access to the health care system. So basically personal health records will be available through the MyGovNL. I just renewed my MCP card there, as well as my vehicle registration and that sort of thing. Pretty convenient portal. Um, one email and uh, one password, and you can access more and more information there. For, uh, uh, and, you know, just do things. That, no visiting the uh, motor vehicle. No offense to the lovely people who work out there, but uh, that place can really set you around a bend. Uh, the weights and that sort of thing. Um, anyway, if you can do it in the comfort of your home, why not? And more and more things you're able to do. So just quick example, you'll be able to have lab results. You can access those. There will be dispensed medications, radiology reports, allergies. Um, we'll get more. It's going to start February 1st, but I'll get have more for you after the break. Um, Minister Osborne, as well as other officials with NL Health Services, sat down, met with media uh, earlier, late this morning, actually, for a tech briefing and then information on this. So uh, we'll hear a little more from the minister, as well as other officials, regarding all those access uh, you can have online. Um, do you do that, Claudette? Do you access most of your... Uh I'm sure you renew online and that sort of thing, your vehicle, but... Yeah, little things. I'm comfortable really... with having all this personal health information uh, online? I like the fact that it would be easy uh, yeah. access, but uh, the question arose automatically about the security yeah. of it, yeah. right? I mean, in this Especially age Especially with your health. And cybersecurity yeah, and all that Yeah, the cybersecurity. Sort of I personally never thought, oh, I'd like to go online and check my results, but I mean... I never thought that that would ever be available. <laughs> I guess that's it, right? It's not in that realm. And that nothing's ever, fortunately, knock on wood, I've never had an urgency to have to check them. Right. So let's hope it stays that way. Okay, now that I knocked on wood and jinx that. <laughs> uh, let's go off to Noah in the news. I'm Brian Callahan on News Talk. We'll be right back after the break. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And welcome back to the program. Thanks, Noah Shepard, for the news update. Maybe you heard Noah mention in the sh- in the news there um, the health announcement today, as well as Mon um, confirming for the first time that the Grenfell campus um, uh, cyber attack was actually a ransomware attack. Um, and uh, Dr. Neil Bose, of course, president and chief uh, and vice chancellor, of course, of Memorial University, has been doing some um, out there in front of that today, uh, communications-wise, confirming that it's ransomware, although not getting into a whole lot of the detail around that. Uh, I spoke with um, the president of Memorial, Neil Bose, just a short time ago. 
we can now say that it was a ransomware attack. And so that's the uh, element that is new that we are saying today, able to say today. And, of course, uh, obviously the question on most people's minds after hearing that will be, uh, are there any dollar amounts that you can release? What was the ransom? We can't release any information as to whether or not a ransom was paid or whether uh, how much that would be. That is still very much sensitive information. And once again, just for people, because, you know, the, we've had these incidents, unfortunately, with the province and the healthcare system in recent years. Uh, could you just basically summarize why they, why, what the thinking is there, that why just the amount that's being paid can't be, um, or even to confirm one way or the other? It's not so much an internal thing or a provincial thing, Newfoundland and Labrador thing. It is actually advice that we received from our cybersecurity experts that whom we're working with. And the uh, well, we we started with working with the police and the uh, 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 the RCMP's um, uh, cybersecurity uh, people. Uh, and it's the advice we have received from everyone as we go through this process. Outside of law enforcement experts in cybersecurity, what private firm are you using or firms? Um, are you able to take advantage of the local Verifin? We are working with uh, cybersecurity experts who spend a lot of time. Uh, I think Verifin works mainly with bank uh, software. We we are working with uh, the uh, cybersecurity experts recommended by our insurers and others of, of that nature. Okay, so not in not in the province. Uh, global, external, foreign. Yes, these are global uh, events, and uh, as far as I know, they're Canadian. But I but uh, uh, I'm not absolutely sure. Okay, but just for the record, are is there um, are you able to say what the name of the company is? If you no, know it, I'm unfortunately, unable to share that information. Okay. I noticed uh, as well that um, some of the St. John's campus uh, systems and services were extended to Grenfell uh, to kind of speed up the recovery effort. Can you explain how that would have worked? Yes, so uh, uh, Memorial actually has uh, three main networks. So uh, the, the St. John's network, which covers the campus here which we call uh, Mon.ca. We have the Grenfell Network. We've also got a Marine Institute Network. Now, uh, uh, so it was the Grenfell Network uh, and its servers that was attacked. And so uh, all of the data has been encrypted uh, on those servers and networks. So nothing is accessible. But because we uh, have our main network, which has actually different uh, cybersecurity levels, uh, we uh, were able to relatively quickly roll out um, our Mon.ca services to um, the Grenfell network. Plus, uh, even before, uh, Grenfell was using some of the uh, uh, services which uh, are available from uh, uh, the Mon.ca network, and so those were not affected. Um, now, going forward, it, actually all uh, Grenfell staff actually had a Mon.ca email address, and what we'll put in place eventually is an alias so that uh, grenfell.mon.ca can be uh, 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 effectively used still, but uh, under the Mon.ca network. 
You mentioned you don't have any evidence yet that any personal information was compromised. Um, but I guess in some of these cases, only time will tell. Fair, is that fair to say? Uh, all of the forensic analysis shows that nothing has been compromised as far as we know to date. Um, and uh, we're fairly confident about that, but uh, as you say, there's always an element of uncertainty. And, you know, I, I noticed uh, um, also mentioned that uh, recovery will take several weeks and services and systems will look different. Um, what do you mean, how different will they look? What will, uh, what will be the difference um, than before this incident? Well, I can't say exactly, but uh, but uh, one of the examples was the emailing that I was talking about. So uh, before this incident, the uh, the email addresses at uh, Grenfell were all person's name at grenfell.mun.ca. Nice, right. um, now, uh, immediately, because as I said, everyone had a mun.ca email account too. Those have been activated or at least put in uh, place so that individuals can use them uh, and what we will do though going forward is put in place aliases in fact we've already put in place uh, the the the, um, uh, the situation so that email coming in to a at grenfell.mun.ca uh, email address gets diverted through onto the mun.ca address for the person in question. Going forward, we'll put in place an alias so that from the point of view of the person operating the email, they'll be on the mun.ca system, but they may, uh, to, uh, to themselves and to the people outside, could be seen as at grenfell.mun.ca. Understood. And I, I wonder, you know, it talks about recovery. Do you know if anything was lost? Uh, as far as we know, nothing has been lost. Uh, well, we can't access anything, so it's sort of lost in that sense. But we're now working through uh, scanning the systems and, and getting things back uh, uh, in line with where they were. And as far as we know, we should be able to do that. But that work is ongoing and will take some time to complete. And I guess the last thing I would ask is, you know, how much, you know, resources and, and time and energy and, and, and expense, you know, can you estimate? I mean, what this is all meant to Grenfell and, and overall, Mon, really, as you said, because, you know, using the St. John systems as backup sort of thing. You know, just in layman's terms, uh, what's this, uh, you know, the impact on Mon? The, well, uh, fairly significant, especially in people's time, of course, because uh, uh, individuals have been working uh, uh, extensively right across our uh, 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 campuses, both on St. John's and at Grenfell, since the 29th of December. Plus, uh, it's taken a lot of time of administrative staff and senior executive and, and administrative staff and senior exec at uh, Grenfell, too. So a huge amount of time it's not one cannot say that it's uh, negligible at all um, in terms of actual dollars that that's uh, more limited although we have um, uh, we have been providing uh, uh, extra laptops to people who had desktops uh, compromised and so on and so forth so there is uh, when the dust settles there'll be uh, some kind of 
uh, cost, but uh, it might be absorbed in our regular cost because it, essentially what will have happened, we'll have accelerated some expenses. I'm wondering about the protection. I mean, there's no real way to prevent the attack. Uh, do you feel like you'll, you'll be in a better position the next time something like this happens? I mean, as you said, there's two other systems, and the uh, Marine Institute and the St. John's campus weren't affected this time. Well, we'll be... Um, that, that's right. And uh, although uh, the, the strong advice we're getting is to, from our cybersecure, external cybersecurity experts is to consolidate our system and, and strengthen the, uh, uh, the cybersecurity of that system, our St. John system uh, already has uh, more uh, checks and balances in place. So the sort of thing that, uh, that is very obvious to all of us that uh, other sort of checks and balances involved is, is the multiple, multiple factor authentication that we uh, uh, that drives us all mad. But that's the uh, that's those are the systems that uh, that uh, make uh, it less easy for. A, a cyber attack of this nature. So, so we've had very strong uh, uh, authentication on the St. John's campus. It exists out on our other campuses, and we need to consolidate and strengthen all of that sort of uh, cyber security um, uh, uh, processes. And our team also keeps up to date on um, uh, cybersecurity aspects uh, nationally on a regular basis. And uh, uh, nothing is ever 100% secure. Uh, uh, No no computer uh, operator can say that, but uh, you just have to make sure you've got the best uh, um, systems in place that you can have. So even for a higher learning um, institution like MON, there are things to learn here. Uh, oh, for sure. There's uh, uh, our IT people tell me that millions of attacks all the time, and uh, uh, but uh, a lot of them it's easy to deflect. Some are not so easy to deflect. But what one has to do is make sure that the the chinks in the armor uh, are, um, are minimal or don't exist. That is uh, Neil Bose, the president and vice chancellor of Memorial University. And, uh, of course, Mon confirming today, um, Dr. Bose, they're confirming that indeed it was a ransomware attack on Grenfell campus. And, uh, and so they're continuing to investigate it. There's, they're holding, again, uh, cards pretty close to their chest, as any victims of these attacks generally do. It's kind of hard for us to understand sometimes even in the media why certain things wouldn't be released but there are machinations to that and reasons for it for example you know i did in case you're shouting at the radio i did ask the question as to whether or not there's insurance carried on this but even something like that really can't be spoken to or confirmed one way or the other it's just uh, all of these questions uh, can you know inform the attackers and maybe give them a leg up or uh, you know an advantage or you know, i mean these are ransoms so they're uh, trying to get whatever they can out of the organizations that they hit so uh, far be it for us they have experts on the case and we'll just have to uh, wait and see what the ultimate outcome of all of this is, including the expense to Mun. Little tiny bit past the break here. Uh, thanks again to uh, Dr. Bose with Mun. And coming up after, as promised, uh, we'll get a little update on a healthcare update from uh, Health Minister Tom Osborne. 
I'm Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain on News Talk. Today, we'll be right back. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And welcome back to the program. So, as mentioned, uh, if you've been holding on to this story, my apologies. Uh, but this is the perfect spot for it. So the provincial government, of course, is introducing a new online service that uh, they say will improve the way we access our healthcare system online. So, you know, access to things like lab results, uh, dispense medications, radiology reports, and allergies. Um, it's supposed to kick in as of February the 1st for about up to 5,000 people who are over 16. And then the department expects probably to provide service up to groups of 50,000 residents in the fall as the months progress. And as it uh, picks up steam, you know, you can also have the option to allow a family member to access the service so that you could uh, give that permission as well. But uh, enough about that for me. Let's hear from the health minister himself. And he was also joined, of course, by Dr. Pat Parfrey with the Health Accord NL, and as well as uh, Vice President for Digital Health and Chief Information Officer with NL Health Services, Stephen Green. But uh, first up, of course, um, after my technical difficulty here, first up, uh, we'll hear from the minister and then Mr. Green. Today, at the update, we are pleased to announce another access point. We are very excited to announce we are launching a new digital access to your personal health record called My Health, My health NL. Newfoundlanders and Labradorians will have access to some of their personal health information when and where they want to view it. It will be viewable on computers and cell phones as long as you have internet access. My Health NL includes strong security protocols and safeguards to protect your health information. Starting February 1st, the personal health record will be made available to a group of 5,000 Newfoundlanders and Labradorians over the age of 16. And starting in the spring, we anticipate another 50,000 people will be added each month. Your personal health record will let you see laboratory results, radiology reports, except for the images, dispensed medications, and allergies, to name a few. We are also developing an app which will launch later this spring. Initially, the new app will incorporate a personal health record and provide that access to your health information. And over the following months, the app will be updated to provide additional features, such as the ability to book medical appointments online and a service to assist in navigation through your health services. The new service will benefit patients, but it will also be a benefit to physicians. We have consulted with the NLMA and will continue to do so as the service is developed. The new service will help reduce administrative burdens for physicians and primary care providers by allowing residents to receive their health information through the app. One example is physicians will be able to provide an electronic requisition as opposed to a paper copy of that requisition, reducing the need to reprint in the event uh, the paper copy is lost. The personal health record and the app 
mean that residents will be able to view test results so they are more empowered to take an active role in their own health. Residents can share their health record with others that may need it, such as a caregiver, family member, or loved one. And the ability to track referrals, which will be available through the app and reduce the administrative burden for physicians. The personal health record is your window into the information that your healthcare providers see and that can be more involved and knowledgeable about your own health. I'll now turn it over to Steve Green for a comment. Uh, thank you, Minister Osborne, and good morning, everyone. Uh, on behalf of Newfoundland and Labrador Health Services, I'm pleased to be here to share the details about My Health NL, uh, a secure online personal health record. Newfoundland and Labrador Health Services is committed to transforming our healthcare system to one that is modern and accessible. Providing digital access to your health records is one of the key steps in this transformation. People have been using their computers and phones for years to order uh, groceries, manage airline tickets, and research health uh, symptoms. It's time that your health care was that convenient to manage. Uh, My Health NL will make it easier to do that. My Health NL is a secure website uh, that enables people across uh, Newfoundland and Labrador to access their personal health information online. The personal health record uh, is the first of many planned health services that will be offered through an app which will be av available to the public this spring. The app will provide central a central access point to digital health services such as scheduling medical appointments, receiving virtual care, and checking your health uh, care symptoms online. Other features such as uh, health system navigation and a virtual assistant or chatbot are expected to be added to the app throughout the year. Starting next month, a small group of 5,000 people aged 16 years and above will be invited to per participate in the initial rollout of MyHealthNL. Once invited, you can set up your account by logging into MyGovNL, which is a secure uh, government website. From there, you can select um, the option for personal health record. To access your personal health record, you will need to have a government-issued uh, photo I identification card, so your license or uh, photo ID, as well as um, MC having MCP connected through the MyGovNL platform. Uh, you will also need uh, a valid email address. Once verified, a unique activation code will be mailed to you, this activation code is required for your initial login uh, to your personal health record. Once set up, users will be able to view their lab uh, test results, x-ray reports, dispense medication from community pharmacies, and allergies. You will also be able to grant access to your personal health record to family members and trusted caregivers so that those in your circle of care can support you through your health journey. In addition, users can uh, also access mental health and health information resources. Once the initial rollout is completed, more people will increasingly gain access to My Health NL until all residents of the province are eligible to view their personal health records online. We are aiming to add uh, 50,000 people every month until, the pup, uh, until everyone has access. My Health NL provides secure digital access to key medical information for patients and their families. The ability to review test results and medi medications without a primary uh, care provider appointment. And the ability to be more engaged in your own health care.
And that is Steve Green. He's the Vice President, Digital Health and Chief Information Officer with NL Health Services. And before him, of course, Health Minister Tom Osborne. Uh, rolling out or announcing, of course, uh, the latest initiative um, through healthcare and this online service. Access your own uh, health records, I guess. Uh, I, I go back to Claudette. I get go back to the issue of, you know, in one breath we're talking about cybersecurity and in the other <laughs> breath we're talking about the most personal of things, your health records. So I know. I know. I mean, I guess I, there's risk with everything, right? Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, from the last cyber attack, a lot of lessons were learned, perhaps, or yep. education was garnered, and uh, I'm sure they're not doing this lightly, yeah. and that's why they're just batching it in, in certain amounts of people I would say to so. do it. You yeah. know, and we have to, you know, trust the experts, so to speak, but, you know, we, we know that trust is something that's earned these days, not necessarily just given, but I know that, um, you know, you talk about these multi-factor authentication, Yes, which we have with our systems here, mm-hmm. and it works quite well and it efficiently. Does. Yeah, when it doesn't, it's absolutely. <laughs> uh, there's words for it that I won't go to. <laughs> um, but you know, you look at too, uh, you know, encryption. Um, uh, the uh, breach with our health department and health, uh, the large breach last year or the year before was um, it, there were not. They were there were systems that weren't encrypted, so it made it easier. And I noticed that. Uh, Neil Bose, the president of MUN there, had mentioned that uh, these services at Grenfell were encrypted, which made it harder. And, you know, there's different loops and steps that they make. So, you know, what it is what it is. And I guess there's risk with everything. And there's also the convenience factor, let's face it. Yeah, sometimes convenience, pra- you, you know, you're going to have to uh, take a little bit of a risk for that yeah. convenience, for sure. And for those without a family doctor, it's even probably more valuable. So mm-hmm. there it is. Anyway, uh, look at that. Ten seconds to go before uh, we get back to uh, our main newscast of the day and Noah Shepard. Thanks very much for listening, folks. I'm pretty sure Linda will be back in the chair tomorrow. Drive safely. Arrive live. V-O-C-M cares.